0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Richard Hartnell. Um, for those of you who are new to the channel or new to the church, um, Richard Hartnell here is um, one of our trustees of the actual trust over the whole charity. Um, Richard, you've actually been here longer than me yes, uh, that's because right. you were part of this congregation when when I came <coughs> up here and joined up uh, join here. And uh, we've worked together for a long, long time. Uh, We've worked together on finances. So it's amazing that we're still talking to one another when you go (laughs) through all of that. But uh, I really want to hear from Richard this morning. So we're we're not going to have a conversation because we're trying to uh, maintain our social distancing. But just this is Richard. He's a trustee. He's a great man of God. He's also a wonderful teacher of the word. So I'm looking forward to this this morning. Over to you, Richard. Thank you. Yay! <laughs> well, good morning. Wow. That was a great time of worship. Thank you, band. you done wonderful. And didn't Billy do good as well? And what a comf- com- what comfortable, what a confident young man Billy is. Have you noticed that? And the great Christmas tree behind as well. He was bringing us the story um, about the angel Gabriel, coming in to give the message of good news to Mary. And we discover, of course, that for Mary, it was probably quite a shock um, to have this angel Gabriel suddenly appear before her. I mean, you realize, of course, that the angel Gabriel, um, he was uh, an angel who he'd spoke to Zechariah just a few months before, and he... Um, said to Zechariah, I am an angel who stands in the presence of God. And therefore, he has the ear of God. And it turns out that Gabriel is one of only two angels, I think it's right, who are named in Scripture. The angel of the Lord appears many times. Gabriel himself only appears about, or is named rather, three times in Scripture. Um, is named to Daniel, to Zechariah, and, of course, to Mary. And what happens is that each time he comes, he gives a message that is just going to transform history. It's introducing a change in history. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go back and read uh, the account of Gabriel's or Mary's encounter with Gabriel. Um, It's Luke, of course, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 26 down to 38, I think. Um, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. It was a small city then, a bit larger now. And he was sent to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of a greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And that's an amazing story of an encounter with an angel. Now, Mary, what do we know about Mary? Well, we know that she was betrothed to a guy by the name of Joseph. And you have to understand that in the Jewish custom, um, it's the father, fathers of both the bride and the groom who sort of agree the engagement to start with. Um, And then you have what might be considered to be the official engagement called the betrothal. And that's a celebration. It's when they come together, it's a ceremony, and they are their future is set at that point. They're not married at that point, but it turns out that if things go wrong, in order to separate after that point and before you're married, you have to have a bill of divorce. So, I mean, it was of the same status as a marriage. So these two, Mary and her husband-to-be, Joseph, um, were betrothed. Um, Mary was a virgin, now that's quite correct, She was supposed to be a virgin up to the point of marriage. That's the way it was supposed to happen. And so you can imagine and perhaps wonder what would Mary have felt like to be suddenly confronted with an angel. Now we're told that in the story that it's the angel Gabriel. He didn't apparently announce himself as Gabriel, um, but she was the only one there, so presumably... Um, she recognised him as Gabriel. But what do you think went through her mind? She was Jewish, brought up in traditional Jewish customs. She would have known the scriptures. She would have known that Gabriel was the angel that came to the prophet Daniel some, what, 500 years before. She may well have learnt that he had come to her cousin's husband, Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist. And now he's there, standing in front of her. What do you think her reaction would have been? Oh my goodness. Oh gosh. This is an angel of great stature, has come from God, He tells me he's bringing a message to me. Oh my goodness. No wonder she was troubled. So Gabriel, in fact each time Gabriel comes to somebody he has to say, do not be worried, don't be fearful, it's okay, I'm only going to talk to you. And so Gabriel on this occasion now talks to Mary and tells her about the child that she is going to bring. He tells her that the baby will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Now, I mean, that's a phrase for the son of God. And you can imagine by now, she's starting to think, "Uh uh-oh, this is something big. This is not just, you know, an angel appearing to me and that's it. No, this is going to be something that is going to have Earth-shattering consequences. Now Mary, of course, would also have known um, about the coming of the Messiah, the promises that were there. I mean, she would have known Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1 where it says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Now Jesse was David's father uh, and and she's been told already that the child is going to be of the line of David. And this... Isaiah 11 verse 1 goes on, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. You've also known about uh, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 5 where Jeremiah said, behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I will raise for David a righteous branch. Both of these you see are references to the first coming of Jesus. So we're looking at uh, this message that comes to Mary about the first coming of Jesus. But Jesus is only on earth for a short period of time. So is there more? But there's a bit more to the story about this um, Mary having this child, this child Jesus, because it didn't come without a challenge to Mary herself. We read in uh, the second chapter of Luke, um, that when the baby had been born and Mary and Joseph were taking the baby to the temple to be presented um, very soon after the birth, um, at a time of the, temp- of the time of purification. it's a presentation. it's sort of a, a celebration, a confirmation, but it's also a dedication, because you're dedicating the child to God. But while they were there, there was a devout man by the name of Simeon. And he came up to them, giving glory to God for the baby. Uh, And then he addresses Mary, telling her that the baby Jesus was appointed for the rising and the falling of many in Israel. In other words, it wasn't going to be easy for him. He was going to get opposition. But Simon also said to Mary, that a sword will pierce your own soul too. And that was an indication that it wasn't going to be easy for Mary all the time either. Now we need to remember, of course, that Jesus' first coming, he came as a saviour. He came as saviour of the world, which he accomplished through the death on a cross and his, resu- his uh, burial, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. And it's that fact um, by which we're now saved uh, as we recognised our sinful states and cried out to him in repentance, asking him to come into our lives as our Lord and our Saviour. It's something that everybody in the room here with me right now, we have done, and so therefore we can rejoice that we are, can be called children of, of God, but you see if you are realising as you're sitting there at home or wherever you are that you've not yet made that step yourself then may I encourage you, may I urge you to make that step today to make Jesus the Lord and the Saviour of your life but to come back to the story there's something interesting about what Gable also said to Mary that I want to show you. Back in Luke Chapter, chapter one again verses 32 and 33 um, where Gabriel said, if you remember that the Lord God will give to him the throne, the throne of his father David, meaning King David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, that means Israel forever and of his kingdom and of his there will be no end. You see, the whole thing is actually something much bigger than just Jesus' first coming for those few years. He's talking here about something that Jesus is going to be involved with that is eternal. It's never ending. That's way beyond those first few try again, that's way beyond those first few short years of Jesus' life those 33 years or whatever it was because this is taking us into the realm of what is to come so far as Mary was concerned but also so far as even we are concerned he's going now to be able to come and rule and reign on earth in a way that he was never able to when he was here the first time. And what God is putting before us now is to come into the hope of that understanding that yes, Jesus is coming back again. And he's coming back um, in a way that's different to the first time. And we can join in the hope that God puts before us in that. Now, you know, hope... um, Something I realised the other day, it's it's obvious really, but hope is always a looking forward. Hope is not something that you can say, well, I hope I had a good breakfast this morning. Because you know the answer to that. You know you either did or you didn't. You know whether it was good or not so good. Now, you might well be now thinking, "Mm, I'm hoping I'm going to have a good lunch or a good next meal. Now, hope for us most of the time um, is, for us in the earthly realm here, it is a a wishful thinking. I hope it's not going to rain when I walk home today after the service. You know, it's, it's always a looking out for something that you perceive as being beneficial to you. But there's biblical hope. And one of the best definitions I have ever heard of biblical hope I heard it many, many, many years ago um, at a YWAM weekend conference. Um, And it was this, that hope is a confident expectation of something good. So how do we, can we get that confidence to hope in what Gabriel was talking about? Well, the answer, of course, is very much yes, we can. You see... Jesus is coming again and this is something we can, we can actually look forward to. He's coming again, it's going to be different because this time he's coming back as a king, he's coming back as a judge and he's coming back as a bridegroom. He's coming back as a king to do what kings will do. Kings reign, they rule and reign over their nations. Jesus is coming back as a king To rule over the whole earth. All the nations of the earth will be subject to King Jesus. Um, Revelation declares Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of Lords. Revelation 17, verse 14, and 19, verse 16. Going on, Revelation 20 and verses 4 to 6 actually talks about Jesus coming for a thousand years and reigning as Christ here on earth. Known as the millennium. And by the way, the really good bit of news is that as saints get to rule and reign with him. But I said he's coming as a judge. He's coming as a judge to judge the dominion of sin <clears throat> in both the physical realm and in, <clears throat> and in the spiritual realm. And he's going to bring sin to an end. Excuse me. I said he's also coming as a bridegroom and that's to us, that's a really good bit of news as well because he's coming in as a bridegroom to enter into that marriage-like arrangement with his bride, the church. And we, at that time, we shall see him in his glory, in his majesty, um, in his magnificence. And we shall just, we shall be, we shall probably be bowled over because we shall be there with Jesus with Jesus, the creator of the world. It's going to be amazing. So what's going to be our response? What's going to be response when we stand there before Jesus? Surely it will be to worship him, to focus on him, to adore him, to think this is what it's all been leading up to. So just to... Earth it down into scripture. Where do we get confirmation that Jesus is coming back like that? Well, I discovered that there are at least 400 verses uh, in, a, I think it's at least 20 different scripture or different um, books of the Bible. In fact, in the Old Testament, um, that refer to Jesus ruling and reigning here on earth. Um, so here's just a few. If we go back to 2 Samuel the second book of Samuel, chapter 7, so we're going back into the Davidic covenant, we discover that um, God sent the prophet Nathan to King David um, to tell him, amongst other things, that God would establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So David was promised that he was going to have a kingdom that would last forever. When we say a kingdom, we're talking about a dynasty. Uh, so that's a kingly line for his descendants. Um, but unlike anyone, any of the dynasties here on earth, his line was going to be everlasting. Um, to bring that into our natural uh, arena today, um, our queen, Queen Elizabeth II, is part of a dynasty. It's called the House of Windsor. How long that will go on for? We don't know. Isaiah, when he was writing uh, and prophesying in chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7, scriptures at this time of the year that we we know so well. It says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and a government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God himself will make sure that this happens. And that Jesus that we've heard of the announcement to Mary this morning. um, Is the one who's going to accomplish it. The prophet Jeremiah also chipped in. 23 verse 5 he said behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I'll raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Psalm 72 verse 19 speaks of the whole earth being filled with the glory. Going back to Isaiah um, chapter 2 and verses 2 to 4 speaks of Jerusalem being established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be lifted up above the hills, and the nations shall flow unto it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That is speaking of the government of Jesus as he reigns and he rules according to his righteousness. So what phase of history are we looking at here? Nothing less than the transformation of planet Earth into a place of righteousness and justice. It's a sense in which it is taking us back to that Garden of Eden-like relationship between God and his creation. It's all part of God's redemptive plan, his plan of restoring the earth and restoring humanity so an interesting question of course is always going to be <clears throat> when's this going to happen well we don't know exactly <laughs> not even Jesus knows the day or the hour but we are told signs to look out for uh, but we're not going there just now so you didn't worry um, and here's the advert bit, because it just so happens that the next episode of the one-story teaching series that's in, sort of being prepared right now will be looking at the prophet Daniel. Um, so maybe you might want to join in watching. Uh, if you haven't already, I suggest you go back and start at the beginning of the introduction and work your way through. You'll find it on YouTube, uh, on the Look to North channel. That's If you're looking at us now, that's where you found us, so it's on the same channel. Just go to the playlist and look under one story. Advert over. What, what, now, you see, let's go back to Gabriel. Gabriel coming to Mary. And the, the complete story that he's given us about Jesus coming as Savior and Jesus coming as his other things, as the king and as the judge and as, the, as, a, as a bridegroom. What was he doing? He was just... Um, echoing the thrusts of the prophetic pronouncements throughout the whole of the Old Testament about God, Jesus coming back to earth um, to bring the history to a, a conclusion. He was looking forward to the point in history where God was going to reign over the whole earth when he brings the righteousness and justice onto this earth and eradicates the dominion of sin in both the physical and And the spiritual spheres of life. Why? You see, God has wanted and still wants to come and dwell with his people. He came and he dwelt in the Garden of Eden. He came and related to Adam and Eve. And it was natural as if you and I were just in front of each other. Um, God came down to dwell amongst his people in the tabernacle. At the time of um, Moses in the desert there, when the Israelites had come out of Egypt and were working their way across the, the desert prior to going into the promised land. God came and dwelt with them in the temple, in uh, Solomon's temple. Uh, yes, in Solomon's temple. No, not... Yes, Solomon's temple. Um, we read about his coming in Ezekiel. And in chapter 1 of Ezekiel talks about his coming. and We realize his coming on that chariot thing of the throne seated on um, char- chariots of fire and wheels that intersect and, and angels and all sorts going on. And you think my goodness this is something awesome but it talks about him coming into the temple. Ezekiel actually also records that God left the temple. Um, but God wants to come back he came back as Jesus onto this earth and dwelt with us here. And the scripture is now telling us that God is wanting to come back and dwell with us here on earth in the future. Jesus came and dwelt among his people 2,000 years ago as the saviour of the world in fulfilment of those prophecies. So we can be confident that he's going to come again as that king as that judge, as that bridegroom. So how do we respond? How do we get that confidence? What do we do? Where's the best place in Scripture to learn about our relationship with the Holy One? How do we understand who he is? One of the things that... um, I'm reminded that the Apostle Paul said on that encounter that he had on the Damascus Road, he he was at that time a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was against um, the people that called the, the way. In other words, he was against the proclamation of the gospel. And at that time, he was setting out to really disrupt the purposes of God. And God, Jesus, met him on the Damascus Road in that blinding light, and came upon him. And what was Paul's response? He said, Who are you, Lord? Who are you? I mean, he was a, he was a teacher of teachers. He could do this, all of this study far, far better than I ever could. Um, but yet his, his cry of his heart is, Who are you, Lord? And as we live our life on this earth... <clears throat> We're looking to understand who Jesus is, who God is. <clears throat> you see, as we have been saved, so we've been called. If we, for now, let's have a, a quickie look at um, in the book of Ephesians. Um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It's an amazing book to study. I every time I open it up. I find new revelation. We've been using it in the prayer room for the last uh, several months, three, four months or more, and just working our way through it and and gleaning more and more of the understanding of our relationship with Jesus. And in it, in chapter 4 and verses 1 to 5, we're urged to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have received. With all humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in that bond of peace, Paul goes on and talks about the fact that there's only one body and one spirit, just as we are called to the one hope that belongs to our call: one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, whose overall and through all and in all. We're called to the one hope that lasts for eternity. He's talking of unity, but not uniformity. We each have a part to play, a different part to play, uh, in the body, in in the church that we're placed in. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are eyes. But a body needs hands. It needs a feet. It needs feet. It needs eyes. What the um, a letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, the first letter he wrote, chapter twelve, verses fourteen through to thirty-one, gives an amazing description of how we are to be part of the body of Christ here on earth. It's how we live right now. Not that we're going to go to it right now, but the writer to Hebrews. Um, gives us a detailed insight into the hope that we have of entering the rest of being with Jesus as his bride. Hebrews chapter 3 of verse 7 through to 4 verse 13. Um, <clears throat> a mix of calling in on the, the concept of rest that was given to Moses back in the desert times, but bringing it right through into the times that we're in today. So, in conclusion then, to wrap this whole thing up, just to remind us that we started with the announcement of the birth of Jesus in that moment of great drama, wondering at the enormity of the occasion. We've seen how there was so much more than just the simple announcement of the coming of Jesus, the coming of a child. The announcement to Mary that her baby would one day return to rule the whole world in majesty and glory. We've touched on our response to that message of certainty and hope. The great hope of our calling, the one Lord, the one faith, the one baptism. One God and Father and all. But grace. But grace was given to each one of us. The writer to the Hebrews In uh, chapter twelve and verses one and two describes Jesus as the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He said this, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us all also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking To Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Father, right now as we come to the end of our time together this week, Lord, we just thank you that your presence has been with us here right now. And Father, I just thank you that the words that you have brought through me and through others today, Father, will ricochet through our minds and our thinking this coming week. That, Father, we will reflect upon what Jesus has done for us in the salvation that we can now stand in the good of. We thank you, Father, that you have given us that one hope, that hope that is eternal, that looks forward to your return to your return in glory, in beauty and in majesty. And Father, we look forward also to that time when we shall be united with you at the marriage supper of the Lamb and be with you forever and ever and ever. Amen. So, thank you for joining us today. It's been good to have you along and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. In the meantime, God bless you and keep safe. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.